All right, we are, we've got a guest host and a Matt and a Murr today. Mary Robinette joins us on Ditch Diggers Season 3, no, Season 9, Episode 3. And ain't no wannabes here With some not so nice advice So you're writing career To be clear No punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off Believe me she'll come after me And her co-host Matt Evan Wallace On the right Yes she may be half as hype But she can take him in a fight So settle in folks Buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way To make your writer shut up It's hard work But the perk is that It's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there When you're done writing Ditch diggers And coming to you live from the spare room of the Ditch Diggers Manor, it is uh, Matt Wallace, Mer Lafferty, and special guest host, Mayor Robinette Kowal, author of The Spare Man. See what we did there? Did you see it? Did you see, see it? See, I did. Yeah? yeah? Very nice. Oh. It was very nice. Yes. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm just hanging out in the spare room here with you, with Mary Robinette, with, you know, baskets of old knitting stuff and that elliptical machine we bought and have never used once. Not I used once. it once. I did use it once. You can't say I never used it. Sitting on a tea ramen and watch TV is not using it. We discussed this. It's using it for something. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't mean, argue with that. I, I think being positioned where it is, you could use it to hold plants. That might be nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm running yeah. out of table space for plants. Yeah. And I just it up. bought more for absolutely no reason. Um, yeah. We haven't done a whole lot of ditch diggers this year so far. So, uh, Matt, you want to fill us into what you've been up to? Oh, my God. Where'd even start? Um, you know, still cranking on making video games, a process that takes years and years and that you're not allowed to talk about because they make you sign a bunch of contracts, which is why you don't really know a lot of video game writers. You yeah. know, we're just not allowed to talk about things. Um, I also have the last book in the Savage trilogy coming out in June. So gearing up to promote that to the best of my ability. Savage Crowns. I should say the name of the book. That's yes. step one in promoting something is to say the name of it. And then, uh, what do I got? Nowhere Special coming out in my next middle grade book coming out in October as well. So I will be promoting that after I promote the first thing. So, And, uh, yeah, I got a new agent. I think we talked about that last time, maybe. Was I looking for a new agent or had I gotten one yet? I think I had one yet. I just hadn't announced it. Yeah, I think I think that that's that's what's up. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, then I get to say I'm now represented yeah. by, by Becky Lejeune, a Bond literary agency. I'm very excited about it. Becky that's is great. awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, oh, thank you so much, Mary Robin. Yeah, no, it's an exciting new chapter, and uh, we're starting off hot. Got a lot of things in the hopper, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a busy a busy young man for this year. So <laughs> yes. I don't know why I said that because you've been dragging your feet for a while. Yes, now. I've been, been so lazy. Fuck. And years and years passed. I just really, you know, I'm finally hitting my stride. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, but how are you, Mer? How are you? I'm okay. I'm working on my uh, novella about uh, a Hercule Poirot figure doing matchmaking instead of murder mysterying. <laughs> I love that premise. But also love murder it. mysterying because murders happen. Oh, yeah. And right. um, having fun with that. And yeah, I like, I got. My book turned in and accepted for final draft. I think I mentioned that. So I'm kind of just focusing on podcasts and this new project that has no home, and, but it's kind of freeing, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So doing um, what you doing what you want because you want to do it, you know? Yeah. 
for, for the love, for the passion. Exactly. Uh, Mary Robinette, do you want to tell us what you've been up to at whatever level of detail you feel comfortable or are legally allowed to do? <laughs> sure. Um, so I am two chapters away from the end of Martian Contingency, which is Ooh. book four in Ooh. the Lady Astronaut series, um, which is very exciting. Um, and because uh, that means that I will, barring you know all of the things that one knocks on wood for um i should finish it this week wow um uh, i just got back from um doing some travel i was uh in seattle to do the uh emerald city romance writers i did a four-hour workshop on the mice quotient wow. and then went straight from there to illinois because my picture book, Molly on the Moon, was picked as one of Illinois Reads this year, which is the no. kind of fancy thing that feels like happens to other people. Um, so I was there for the conference. Thanks. It was really exciting. That's great. <laughs> um, and uh, now I'm home and uh, here for a week. And then um, and then do a little more travel. To We're going to go record some writing excuses episodes in person for the first time since the before times oh wow very cool. yeah so um i've done a terrible job of not actually introducing you it's that whole like <laughs> it's mary robinette oh, yeah. of course okay. everyone's going to know, you exactly. all know mary robinette come on sure. but see here's the deal is that you do so many cool things we're not going to be able to touch on them all but you know just just follow everything mary robinette does mary robinette Coal <laughs> is an author a pod uh, Award-winning author, award-winning podcaster. I don't know if you have any puppeteering awards. Do you? I do. Yes, you I do. do. Award-winning puppeteer. puppeteer um, <laughs> teaches workshops. Uh, came up with the mice quotient, which we're not going to talk about because we talk about business on Ditch Diggers. And has had a blog that helped me out a lot a couple of years ago. And uh, teaches her cat how to talk. You can see those videos on Instagram. Uh, I, I should say that I did not, not invent the mice quotient. That okay. was uh, that was actually Orson Scott Card. I just took it and ran with it. Yes. Well, every time I hear it mentioned, it's attributed to you, and so I'm giving. Also, you that. we like you better. So. Well, I mean, I I did I did hack the system a, a fair bit, but. Um, but well, that's a way better introduction. The one who hacked the mice quotient. That, there we sound, go. that sounds way yeah. more badass. Yeah. That's what we're going yeah. with from now on. Yeah. There she's, you go. she's won all the awards, but she hacked the mice quotient. So. Come on. That's just, I mean, yeah, that's, that's just. You, say, yeah, you sound like a that, cyberpunk that's character a, now. I know. I know. That does that does sound better. And uh, and thank you, uh, Kids Are Asleep, for loving the Elsie videos. Um, she loves you back. And can say so. Exactly. And can say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was telling them before. Uh, sorry, now we go on the tangent about my cat. No, please, I, please. Because That's I had been gone on travel. For, really. I figured I'd gone on travel and uh, and come back, and um, and she she had been very upset and had been vocalizing that with her button board while I was gone, but then I came back and she she said, um, uh, "Scared, sad, all done," and it was like well, I can never leave home again. Um, but the other thing which I didn't tell you that she said was. Uh, uh, Mary Robinette, friend. And I was like, oh, yes, Elsie. Oh. Mary Robinette, love you. And then she said litter box, which is her version <laughs> of saying bullshit. <laughs> wow. I'm fairly confident she was saying, if you'd loved me, you wouldn't have left. Right. Oh, my God. 
Wow. Who knew if you sought your pets to speak, the first thing that you do would guilt trip you? Like who could have called them? Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 real. It's real. Yes, yeah, so much wow. sass. Yeah, do we want cats to talk? Really? I mean, I mean, you know, I'd it, rather. It, yeah, it did. Like she had, she had some problematic behaviors that have have basically all gone because wow. uh, because she, it was because she was frustrated. She couldn't. Mm. She could not express. You know, this is the thing that I want. Mm -hmm. And uh, and she can now, and then we can also negotiate. Um, so like, which is uh, which is nice. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a little sad that John Scalzi has already written a novel. It's not out yet, but that has a, uh, a talking cat in it. Because now I'm like, who cares? I have the actual. <laughs> I know. I'm going who to. Who cares? Yeah, a hundred percent. So you uh, you wanted me to talk about the business, uh, and, and we're just going to talk about my cat instead if I don't, like... Well, Frank yeah, Lightbride is way more interesting, honestly. Like, I don't even want to talk about publishing it's anymore. It's so true. Yeah. It's true. She will, uh, she will, yeah. We it, like That's one of the things we negotiate about, is that I will say, uh, Mary Robinette working, and uh, and she will <laughs> actually leave me mostly alone. Wow. Wow. Keep feeling like you keep saying wow, but I mean seriously, that's just amazing. Yeah. And also, I didn't know anything about this before we started doing this show, so that's it's that's wild. Wow. So do you do you say the words or do you poke the buttons too? Both. Okay. Um, so the so the modeling is that you um, you you press the buttons to help her understand which button does what, um, and uh, and so you you talk to them, and sometimes you know sometimes I'm saying something that she doesn't have buttons for. Um, like she doesn't have prepositions, um, uh, and uh, and sometimes it's it's just a, a more complex thing. Um, but I try where I can to express it with um, with the buttons that she has. So like when I'm one of the the moments where I was I, I frequent, I have frequent moments of oh, this is a thing that is actually happening. Um, I came in to, to hear this is my audio booth to to narrate. And um, this is an old house, and so the doors don't latch. Like, there's just very few right angles. And um, the choice is to attempt to lock her out, uh, in which case she will sit on the other side of the door and sing the songs of her people, <laughs> um, or to let her in where she pokes around. And it's my audio booth, but also you know, it is a, it is a, oh, there's a green screen. It is a closet. <laughs> so um so then she she makes all of this sound and so she comes in and and i'm like elsie mary robinette talk working um elsie lie down quiet sleepy and she did wow lie down she uh, just curled damn. up in a little spot and i was like well, did that just happen <laughs> um, but it's an audiobook so five days in a row she would come in and she would poke around until I told her to lie down quiet sleepy. And then she would curl up and she like would slow blink at me as which is the cat version of yes or I love you or, you know, and she would go to sleep except one day and she continued to poke around. And I'm like, OK, either all that, you know, quiet, lie down sleepy or outside play. And she left the booth. And when I went out into the main apartment, her toys were strewn over the entire apartment. And I was like, all right. Wow. Good. Okay. We just had a conversation uh, that you understood. And 
Yeah. So I know it happens, but also it, she is still a cat. Right. So it's still <laughs> well, yeah. shocking. Yeah. Still shocking every time. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, we, we, yes, we and, have to, I'm sorry, go on. Oh, no, I was just saying, uh, Underpope said they're all frustrated supervillains with no opposable thumbs. The no opposable thumbs is the only thing saving me. That's the yes. only thing saving all of us at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, my dog has a number of irritating uh, medical issues, and right now we're dealing with a um, staph infection by doing daily baths. And oh, buddy. Not only does she have to do a daily bath, but she has to stand there soapy for 10 minutes while the medicated shampoo does its thing. And so Aww. we're just sitting there petting her, and finally I just started telling her a fairy tale, only I could only use words that she knew. So I'm like, Rosa, treats outside <laughs> it was a short story with not a lot of conflict but you yeah, know yeah. her ears were just kind of tweaking a little bit as we said all the words she knew so that was, that right. was fun like legitimately so sorry i said that we weren't going to talk about them anymore but here we are <laughs> um there are uh because elsie and i are enrolled in a study with like six thousand animals uh out of uh University of San Diego, and there are multiple at this point documented cases of the animals explaining to their person with the buttons that they were having a medical issue. Oh, wow. Uh, that, wow. That, that the people hadn't identified. Like one of them was like, ear, 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 ouch, ear, ear. And they were like, I don't see anything wrong, but took her in, and there was an abscess. Um, but the other thing is that as they learn language, you're, the, the humans are able to say, like, medicine help help belly um uh there's and and so the dogs are saying you know belly belly ouch medicine and so preemptively asking for it um and like there's a a blind cat who needs eye drops and she will say you know i help um and then sit there and patiently wait while her owner puts eye drops in otherwise you know what it's like trying to give medicine to a cat Mm -hmm. So Elsie and I went to the vet and I, I told her they needed to do a blood draw. And I'm like, you know, Elsie is going to hurt, but, you know, Elsie, you know, lie down quiet and then home and seaweed, which is one of her treats. Mm. And, um, and she let them do the blood draw. And then when we got home, she came straight out of her carry and went to the button board and was like, seaweed, 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 seaweed. <laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah, wow. no, you 100%. You you did the thing. I hadn't even thought about mm-hmm. the implications of like medical issues with that. That is, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, because it's so, it's always so terrible when you can't explain to them what's happening with, with vets yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So that's, this, yeah, that's this awesome. This is actually working for Rosa. Her skin looks great right. and the vet was very happy. But every time she gets in the tub, she just like stands there. She doesn't fight or anything. She just kind of stands there like, I've given up on everything. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, yeah. I wish we could explain to you that all the itchy problems and the infected problems with your feet are fixed by doing this. And yeah. so that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, if you, if you think about talking to them, like they're a two year old. Mm-hmm. I dig the, uh, the kind of Darmok vibe of the conversation. So it works for me. At least yeah. just stylistically, yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. So conversation, should we talk so, about yeah. like, yeah, the publishing business and, you know, the publishing debut business. yes, that the wacky old publishing. Isn't it? Isn't it a wild ride? We so, so I, I've been, you know, published traditionally for ten years now. Actually, this May, 
Mm. Um, and Congrats. I still think about things that I feel uncomfortable doing because they're things that people assume authors know how to do once you're magically an author. Mm -hmm. And you had your debut author blog series uh, a while ago that, that told a couple of things. I was annoyed that I read your guest of honor post after my first guest of honor appearance. Because <laughs> uh, that would have come in handy. Because no one tells you. Someone's like, oh, wow. No. Wow. Okay. No. I get to be a guest of honor. That's amazing. That's great. What do I do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or what, what should I stand up for saying I don't want to do? And what should I be expected yeah. to do? All that. So... Um, I've been trying to gather all the other things that I feel uncomfortable or awkward about. And so you always seem to, I mean, you, I, I didn't say the other things you've done, like, like you were your former president of SIFWA and, oh, yeah. you know, you're, you're <laughs> just known as one of the nicest, most giving people in genre today. And, uh, yeah. so I figured if anybody would know, you would be able to give advice on stuff. So I have a list of things, um, <laughs> We never make lists. This is like, I think it may be a first did, for the I show, did, honestly. I did update. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Um, uh, so I'm going to have to be really smart now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll so, settle for sincere. Sincere is fine. Okay. Okay. okay good. Thing. Thank God. This is really funny because I, I searched for this online. How to run your coffee clutch. And all the only oh, thing yeah. I found was people saying, I'm going to this con and I have a coffee clutch nothing else not even about what they were not even to like yeah. this is your first con what are coffee clutches nothing nothing so it's like i've i've had coffee clutches where i've had two people and i've had coffee clutches where i've had waiting waiting lists and every time i still just kind of sit down like now what and sometimes <laughs> yeah. people help out and start starting asking questions but sometimes they don't and i realize i'm I'm supposed to be the moderator, for want of a better word. So what would you recommend on running your own coffee clutch? Right. So so I see that Daniel has said how to do what now? And that's that's part of the problem. It's like mm -hmm. even, even as a fan, you, you go and you're like, sign up for a what? Yeah. So a coffee clutch um, is it, it used to have actual coffee. Uh, and sometimes they still do, although post-demic, it's a little bit. Yeah. Maybe there'll be coffee or maybe not. Um, but the idea is it's a small group conversation with the person that, that you are there to see. Um, so so it's usually like eight to 12 people um, and the, the author or the artist or, or astronaut or whatever the person, you know, role is. And the, the way I treat it is um, that I, I treat it like a small group conversation. Um, I figure all of those, like, I, and I, I will say also that I've, I've had coffee clutches in two scenarios. One is um, where everyone there is very clearly and definitely there to see me. Um, and the other is where they don't know me at all. No. They just signed up for it. So I go in and I don't assume that they know me. That's one mm. thing is that I don't assume because, um, because that's a, that's a, you know, a lot of times people will sign up for it just because they have a free time and they're like, mm, let me see who this author is. Um, and it, it's a, it's a really good way to come off as, as conceited. Um, mm. um, and it is honestly, right. um, I mean, you would think that people are coming because they want to talk to you, but not always. Sometimes they're just like, I have some, there is a place that I can have coffee and maybe learn about <laughs> something new. 
Uh, see, I would um, think that that's but, like the one thing it would be okay to assume people know you. Yeah, it would be. Now. You would think that, but I don't. I I don't make that assumption anymore. So I usually do like a really fast little bio, um, and then I the other thing that I recommend is to to give people ground rules up front because mm-hmm. they don't know what to expect either. So what I my usual spiel it goes something along the lines of, "Hey." Um, you know, my name is Mary Robinette Kowal. I'm uh, I write science fiction and fantasy. My most recent book is uh, The Spare Man, which is basically a murder mystery in space. Um, uh, and and I am happy to answer any questions that you have about anything. I can answer questions about Regency underwear. I can answer questions about peeing <laughs> in space. I can answer questions about my cat that uses buttons to talk. And so I try to seed some um, some interesting topics. It's like I know I have funny stories to tell. Um, happy to do writing advice um, if you're having having trouble with with work in progress or, or the industry. Happy to cover any of those topics. But since this is a rare opportunity for me, since I don't usually get to talk to readers, I want to know who you are. So I'm going to ask that we each do an introduction. Mm. And uh, and what I want to know is uh, your name, uh, pronouns, what the weather is like, where you're from. Um, which is safer than asking you to tell me where you're from, but you can tell me that too. Uh, and then, uh, and then your your soapbox. Um, and by soapbox, what I mean is, what is the topic of conversation that if someone accidentally brings it up, you talk about it way too long? <laughs> um, never. And you can ever... hear yourself talking about it too long. Yeah. Never ask Ursula Vernon that. Just... No God. Oh no, she no. has so many of them. I know. I know. Or do they don't get to. Just make sure you have free time available. Yeah, yeah. they don't get to give the talk. They just get to tell us what the topic is. The topic is, right, 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 right. That's very smart. Um, And so that that then does two things. One is that it does give me an opportunity to know who is here. And sometimes I hear about really interesting soapboxes. Um, And the other thing is it eats up a significant chunk of time where Mm. I don't have to be the person on. Uh, and then the other thing it does is it gives them time to think about questions. Okay. So That's really you know, smart. Because I've, I've warned, I've warned, I usually, uh, I, I didn't in that version of the spiel because I was doing side notes, but I usually say, you know, and then after we all introduce ourselves, then I can answer your questions. Um, and, and so that's what we do. And then we, then then we facilitate conversations. And sometimes I'll like, after we've done that, if there's a pause, you know, and an awkward silence, um, where I've answered the question and no one has raised their hand, uh, because I've got this whole thing of soapbox material, I can go back to someone and say, "So you said that you're really passionate about the the uh, fire detectors and how the ones in most homes are outdated. What, what, is this something I should be worried about?" And then they will unpack for me, and like I can learn that in fact, actually, that is the problem and uh, something I should deal with. This is an actual soapbox that happened. Brilliant. Excellent. That is really brilliant. That's great. That's great stuff, man. Mm-hmm. See, I knew, um, she, I knew she'd know. I knew it. <laughs> no, I love that. And like, just going back to the part about not assuming everyone is there to see you. It's not even something that would occur to me or how that can make you look conceited because like in my head in those situations, it's, it comes from a place of not an ego, but like the reverse of ego. It's like, why would anybody be here unless they knew who I was? Like, why the hell would you come to this? But you don't think about how that could come off. So that's actually a yeah. really good point. And then just 
prompting conversation. And I love that you address the how to use that for the awkward silence thing because the awkward silence thing I think is what everybody worries about in that situation yeah. and how to fill it. So that's that's great stuff. That's really good. Good uh, list yeah. item too, Mer. List item yeah. two. Um, okay, this one I feel strongly about because uh, <laughs> award speeches. There have been times when I have been so grateful that I lost an award because the winner was such a good speech. I'm like, oh my God, I was going to give them this shit? Oh man, well done. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about the fiction. I'm like, you win the award for that speech. So it's- I know. It's like when Ursula Vernon is on a, a category, I'm like, I'm just going to vote for you so that I can hear your speech. Damn right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, I I like her writing, but... No, no, brilliant. Ursula's brilliant. Yes, but she's too good of a friend for me to hate her for it. I just, know. Yeah. I just got to narrate her book. Her next oh, wow. book. oh, my God. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Also, the, narrator, uh... forgot to say you're a narrator. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I mentioned it at some point. Okay. But so uh, what, what, what advice do you give for someone who is suddenly up for an award and they didn't expect it or they don't know? <laughs> they're good at fiction, but not so, quite so good at thank yous. So I, the first thing is that I recommend that when people have been nominated for something that you always, always write a speech, even if you think there's no chance that you're going to get it. One is that it gets you in the habit of it so that you, you don't have the thing where you're like, well, this year I'm going to write the speech. Um, and then you don't win the award and then you think that you didn't win the award. Then you think you jinxed yourself. It, it's a way to avoid jinxing yourself. Um, I say because I am a hundred percent superstitious, but the other thing is that it, it's a, a really good mindfulness practice to think about all of the people who helped you and, and got you at this point. There are two basic modes of, um, acceptance speech. One is the um, hello. I'm going to to, to thank people, um, and I think simple gratitude is actually a, a perfectly acceptable mode. And the other one is I have a platform, and I'm going to use this platform. Um, and you can make a decision um, about whether or not uh, you want to, you know, which of those modes you want to fall into just because you see other people doing the, I have a platform does not mean that you have to do it. It's not that you, your, your talk, your, your, your speech doesn't have to be about an issue or a topic. It can, it can just be, I am so grateful. And here are all of the people that I'm thankful for. So kind of decide. And the, the metric that I would use is if there is something that has been on your mind a lot, particularly if it is related in some way to the work that you have been nominated for. Um, so, you know, there's, um, there, there's, you know, at that point, then, then you're just writing a speech. Um, the, what I always do is I, uh, I write the speech. Um, I know that uh, when we are talking that it's about 150 words per minute is about how how long the average person speaks uh, or how fast it, on average. Um, I also know that adrenaline means that that will be shorter, but um, <laughs> uh, but I try to make sure that whatever it is that I've crafted is is in that range, is in about 150, no more than 300 words because two minutes is, you know, that's that's sufficient um 
And then uh, so I write that. Um, and then when I go up, I generally just have it in bullet points. I don't usually have it written. Um, and I just have the bullet points to remind me of where I am. And most of the bullet points actually wind up being people's names that I'm really terrified of forgetting. Right. Um, so uh, so that's that's where where I go. And sometimes it is just the um, it, it depends on the, the year and the award and the, the work, um, whether I'm going to do the I'm just going to thank people or I'm going <laughs> to do the. I'm going to use my platform. Mm. Do you no, have fair. any totally fair. do not do, do not do's that's, or don't um, yeah. someone would say. <laughs> um, yeah. Remember that, that even, even when you're doing the, the platform thing, um, that it is a celebratory evening and that there are other, there are people out there um, for whom it is a celebratory evening. So if you do have like a major issue that is a downer, uh, you need to make sure, I would say, that you have a path out of that emotion at the end of the speech hmm. so that you aren't leaving people feeling like, oh, now I'm a terrible person. Oh, yeah, we're excited about this next thing. <laughs> um, so uh, so try to try to give people a path out. Um, don't don't use it as a time to score points. Mm. Um, don't don't use it as uh, like. There's a difference between there is a thing that I am concerned about and uh, there is um, uh, there is propaganda. Uh, so if you find your speech having a lot of buzzwords and hashtags in it, I would back off from that um, because it's not going to play the way you think it's going to play. It is mm. very much going to, it will almost certainly do the opposite of what you want it to do. Um, no, absolutely. And I think everybody knows, I'm sorry, I don't mean, I just was going to say, I think everybody knows whether that that's coming from a genuine place within them and can examine that too. Yeah. Um, uh, so someone said, uh, can we do anti-gratitude speeches where we unthink all the people who actively got in our way? No, that's definitely <laughs> a point. Like, tempting. Um, I get the impulse. Super, yeah. Like, I think, I think you can do like one, um, you know, one in kind of a jokey way, if you, you know, like, um, you know, to the, to the, uh, sixth grade, no, actually my sixth grade teacher was fantastic. Um, <laughs> you're a fiction writer. You can still. Right. But, it, but it was like, uh, you know, to the sixth grade teacher who told me that, uh, that my writing was, was terrible. Ha ha. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, thank you for being wrong. Um, uh, that that like I think you can do one, um, but uh, but it's you know the 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 point of the acceptance speech and the evening is um, is that it's an opportunity for gratitude and graciousness. Mm. Like, no, totally. You won. You won. They're, they're already. <laughs> like <laughs> the best revenge is living well like they know yeah that's yeah it's a yeah. big it's a big billboard you know you already got the big billboard saying yeah like, you know, i triumphed for sure yeah well like like um in calculating stars there's a character named parker who's based on a real person um that that put me through some of the stuff that that elma goes through uh only not 
astronaut stuff because clearly I am not an astronaut. Um, <laughs> and it would have been really easy to call him out. Mm. Um, and that that then turns the entire conversation. Um, it makes it it makes it less about the work. And and okay, so part of let me explain. I'm going to back up slightly. Part of why I think that it's not appropriate. Um, and it doesn't play the way you think it's going to play, is that when people give an award to, you know, like when you get the Nebula or you get the Hugo, um, people are awarding it to a book that they have read or a story that they have read. You, the author, are the avatar of that work and the avatar of their experience. But they aren't actually giving it to you. They're giving it to the experience that they had while they were having it. So when you get up and you thank the other people, what you're doing is you're saying, these are also people that are part of the experience that you had. But when you talk about the things that have hurt you and damaged you, while that is often in there, you know, and, and makes that experience, it is not part of the, it's not, it's not a baked in part of the experience that they had. So, so they're having a joyful moment and then you're bringing up and here is all of my trauma. Mm. Um, so as the avatar of the work, recognizing that what you're representing is this is, I see your joyful moment. I'm going to contribute to that joyful moment by sharing with you all the things that I am also joyful about and grateful for, as opposed to, I see your joyful moment. Um, let me tell you about my really shitty day. Uh Very well articulated, very well articulated and valid. Absolutely. So going um, off on the the winning an award, um, the night that I won the now called the Astounding Award, um, I went to a party and Paolo Bacigalupi came up to me and he said, listen, go home and enjoy this for at least a week before you start feeling like everything you do is shit again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my, my husband's like, thank you. (laughs) and it's can we talk a little bit about that what's funny is paula doesn't remember telling me that but i it was one of those very very (laughs) strong strong cemented moments in my head i can completely see him saying that too yeah so um but can we unpack that a little bit because i know that that imposter syndrome can hit after an award or just a nomination can hit hard Yeah, um, the the day after I won the Hugo for Calculating Stars, I lay on my hotel room bed and sobbed. Um, and and it had been like I I know that the dip happens um, because the thing about the brain is that it's it's real good at a bunch of things and it's real real crappy at, at other things and one of the things is that it 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 can tell that it that you are out of balance but it can't always tell like if it was a good thing or a bad thing like a good thing or a bad thing can both that either is going to throw you out of balance and that's that's basically your brain is like i mean maybe your brain is fine with it but your limbic system is like whatever we're very out of balance here's some emotion and <laughs> <laughs> um and and I knew that, uh, thank heavens. Um, but I also was just 
like uh, unprepared um at the same time for um for for that feeling so one of the uh one of the things that is um I mean, it's an annoying thing, and it's one of the things that you just kind of have to write out. So, one of a technique that I have learned is to um, to kind of schedule myself heavily right after, um, mm-hmm. so that uh, so that I don't have time to dwell, um, and then make sure that the schedule is uh, is su- is something that involves me having to produce things like. Um, because otherwise I will take some time off, which I deserve. Um, but I will, I will, I will spiral down. And this is the way my brain is constructed. Um, it's not the way everybody's brain is constructed, but I I have the, uh, the ADHD depression expansion pack on my brain. (laughs) Love that DLC. Right. Yeah. It's such a, the user interface is a little bit crappy, but, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, what I do, therefore, is knowing that and, and like knowing how my brain works now, I know that one of the things that I can do is I can attempt to trigger hyperfocus by doing something that is urgent, new, um, interesting and challenging. So that means like, yeah, I'll turn a story in right after this. Um, and I learned that by accident after I won the Astounding Award. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had to go to a, I went straight from there to a, um, writing workshop where I had to write words. And if I didn't have to do that, I'm fairly convinced that I would have just curled up and stopped writing. Um, so, so that, that's how my brain works. I don't think that that's how everybody's brain works, but I do also a hundred percent agree that you should just support it the other thing that i did when i got the astounding award is that i wore that tiara to every appearance that i made oh yeah awesome every appearance i'm like yeah no they gave me this they gave they gave me this i i have i have this um so it is you know i i will uh yeah, enjoying the high because, unfortunately, uh, part of leveling up is that you just have another set of monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think wear your tiara often and proudly is fantastic advice. And uh, whatever yep. that t- whatever that tiara may be, it doesn't have to be a, f- yep. a literal yep. tiara. I like that a lot. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I've decided that you have created the eunuch co- quotient. The, the urgent, new, interesting, and challenging. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, yeah, that that does not um, that does not that acronym does not sound the way I think it's you think it does. My head was like, okay, let's see where she's going with this. Yeah, but I <laughs> I got I got that yeah um, I got that from um, uh, I, I got it from a Twitter thread, but I believe that it came from uh, How to ADHD, which is a YouTube channel. Right. Um, Oh, and someone in in chat, uh, Firewriter says that they have a, a writing tarot specifically because I've talked about it before. It's true. After uh, the other thing that I did after that was that I I now just have a tiara that I will I will wear. Just uh, it's like my writing tiara. I will put it on. It's like it's not a thinking cap. It's my writing tiara. Nice. I love that. Very nice. I want a writing tiara now. 
You should get a writing tiara. I totally should. I have a really big head, but I'm sure they could special make one for me. Yeah, that's fine. The, the, they're often open in the back, so you can adjust the... Nice. Like a golf visor. It's smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, so, Matt, do you have any questions you want to ask? I do. I'm concerned about time, but I absolutely do. I don't know how much longer uh, we have Mary Robin up for at this point. Well, that's... Well, that's... I was... We, you're you're fine. I have another meeting, but it is with my assistant, who will 100% understand if I am late. Okay. All right. Well, listen. Okay, then I'll I'll go. Well, you know, I'll go. I just the most important. The thing that was most on my mind when Mur uh, told me we were having Mary Robin on, uh, not to speak about you, like you're not here. I'm just that's for the audience. Um, the uh, uh, concerning things I wish I knew when I was a debut author, things nobody tells you, and just things I've been dealing with a lot in the last few years. Um, concerns editors, you know, because when you're starting out, you sell a book, an editor buys it, and you're psyched. And I think kind of in your head, you, you sort of think, well, an editor is an editor is an editor. They're all created equal. Doesn't really matter which one I get. I'm just excited and happy that an editor likes me, you know? <clears throat> and, um, you know, and then after a while, you learn that's really not true. And uh, Not all editors are created equal. Uh, some editors are amazing. Some are crap. Some are good, but not necessarily right for you or your book. Uh, there's all flavors in between and specifically what I wanted to talk about was something I learned the hard way that I really wish someone had talked to me about early on is that an editor isn't just someone who collaborates on your book and helps you with the book part of things they're also your advocate at the publisher you know oh, and yeah. and so you may have an editor who's great with your book and great with you but not necessarily the best advocate uh, for you. And so I guess I really just wanted to ask, like, you know, if you knew that when you started out or just knowing it now, like, how do you how do you vet editors as you go on? How do you ask yourself, okay, this has this editor right for me in my book? And also, how do you ask, how do you figure out, will this editor be a good advocate for me at the publisher? Is there even a way to really, like, investigate that and figure it out, you know, when you're just starting out with a publisher and an editor? Yeah, um, so I think one of the things there's twofold is that frequently we don't have much choice about who the editor right. is. Right. Um, but assuming that we do, uh, one of the things that I would ask them about is like, what their vision was for the, uh, the marketing and placement of the book. Mm -hmm. um, because if they don't have one, well, it is the marketing department's job, right? but if they, if they aren't thinking about the thinking about that, um, I think they're also going to have a harder time helping you hone the book so that it's going to be right for that. They're going to have a harder time because uh, they're the ones who are making uh, many of the calls about like the cover design and mm -hmm. the catalog copy. So knowing that they have a, a vision for it, I think is one thing that you can look for. Um, on the other hand, a lot of times you'll have someone who can talk the talk and mm. then actually gets in there and um, you discover that they advocate for the company rather than for you. Right. One of the things that I have learned uh, more recently is that um, even as a traditionally published author, while the you know that means that I have the the weight of the publishing house behind me and there's a bunch of things that they're doing and and it means like I don't have to deal with hiring an editor and and all of those things. Um, I it also means that it is very easy for me to leave my brand in someone else's control. Right. And so what I would say is that, you know, if you get in there and you discover that you're, 
the editor is not being a great advocate for you, um, like you, you know, find out that, uh, say, they aren't doing arcs for your book or that there's no tour planned, um, and, you know, like not even a, a small local tour that you can drive to because... You know, not everybody, you know, beginning author, you're not a lead, lead yeah. title. They aren't going to devote that. But local tour, you know, uh-huh. local bookstore, that's that's something that they should be able to do for you. Right. And if, if they aren't doing that, um, that's when you might want to turn and uh, use part of your advance to hire a marketing, a publicity company, um, which is not something that we talk about. Uh, uh-huh. It's It's a a thing that um, is something that I am only discovering right now um, that, and a thing that I had wished I, I knew about before. Um, when I have a, a book that came out, Ghost Talkers, and uh, no one, like most people haven't heard of it. Um, and I could tell that things were going bad with the publicity. Uh, it later turned out that what happened was the publicist forgot the book was coming out. Um, uh, and oh, then, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, um, but if I had known, um, there are a couple of steps I could have taken. Um, one is that my agent and I could have gotten into a conversation mm-hmm. with them sooner. Uh, the other is that I, I could have hired a, uh, a publicity company um, for not not horrifying amounts of money um, right. to to help do a lift around the book. And uh, and I didn't know any of that. Um, and it, uh, it the you know, Ghost Talkers, uh, there are, there were two other books that I had planned to go with Ghost Talkers. And it's it's probably always going to be a standalone. Oh, man. I hate yeah. that. For no, the record, a, uh, yeah. there's a lot of love for Ghost Talkers going on. I in the see chat. that. Thank you oh, yeah, so much. Yeah, chat's Thank blown you. up about it. No, yeah. that's... It, yeah, when they sent me on tour, it was election day of 2016. So. Oh, God. That's that so had terrible. to hurt as well. That's yeah, so yeah. Terrible. And then later, later I was talking because I, I, my editor, uh, left and I got a new editor and was talking to them and they're like, yeah, you know, your fantasy books just don't sell well. I mean, this last one didn't like no, no. one. I was like, who bought mm-hmm. anything? Right. Who was selling then at all ever? That's yeah. so good. Oh, that is classic publishing. I love it. I think it. I, I just it, realized I chaos terminals coming out on election day this year. Ooh. Not ideal, but not, I would say, I would argue not as bad as 2016. Well, nothing. Least, hopefully it <laughs> will be. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I didn't think yeah. 2016 was going to be as bad as 2016. That's yeah, entirely true. You're good absolutely times. right about that. Yeah, no, that's a lot of good takeaways there. I'm sorry, Mary Robin. We, did you have more? You wanted to? Uh-uh. Say? No. Yeah. Um, no, there's a lot of good takeaways there, and you and you touched on something that I think is very important, which is um, kind of reasonable expectations. You know, like I, I would never advocate to it, like especially debut author, you should be making demands like, "Where's my national tour?" and "Where's my billboard in Times Square?" and all that stuff. But I always do, like, what I've learned and what I think I've learned is that your publisher, no matter what level you're at, they should be, at least be doing the things that are reasonable and that are, like, easy wins. Like, if they have social media, it doesn't cost anything to do a social media post. And, like, if their social media isn't giving you any love, that's a problem. And like you said, yeah. local local stuff. 
it shouldn't be that hard to put local stuff together, especially you know where uh, since we've a lot virtual events have become much more common as well. I think like it's becoming even easier to do that. So yeah, those kind of things, if those are being ignored, that's a problem. I think you should definitely address. But it's yeah. it's a very yeah, it's a nuanced, it's a difficult thing, but at least be aware of these things is what I try to tell debut authors now, because I wish I was, you know, I, I would have asked more questions. I think you hit on that too. Ask questions, be involved, mm -hmm. get the information as far ahead of time as you can. So you give yourself options before the book comes out, you know, as soon as possible. Those are all things that are at least within your control to try to do. Like you don't have yeah. great control over who your editor is. You don't have great control over your publisher, but you can ask questions and gather information and press for the things you can press for. And I think that's, you know, it's the best you can do. And if you at least do that, you can feel like, even if it doesn't work out, I did what I could do, you know, and that's yeah. that, that's the thing. You know, if I have a book come out, it doesn't do great. I'm not happy about it, but at least I want to know I did everything I could reasonably do to help it out. So, yeah, I, I'm going to give you two phrases that my mom taught me. So my mom was an arts administrator and okay. all of my best schmoozing advice comes from her. But um, but I I saw her in a situation once where she needed where someone had 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 done fucked up. And she was, uh, she was getting, getting redress from them. Um, and so there are two phrases that have served me well. Um, one is, can you tell me how you usually handle a situation like this? Mm, nice. Um, and uh, a variant of that is, can you tell me what your usual compensation is for a situation right. like this? But the other nice. one is, after they've told you what their usual plans are, you say, hmm, well, that's a good start. <laughs> I love it. Dude, that's awesome. That's and, really cause good. Because it's, like, it's like, all right, that's great. So now I know what your baseline is. Let's push that. And yeah. it, doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a big push. Mm -hmm. But it's like, all right, so that's a great start. Let, let me see what I can add to it. And then, you know, think about what you can bring to the table. Right. No, those are those are really good tools for the toolbox. I love I love mm -hmm. both those. That's really good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Scott, I see you say go mom. So they say about my mom, um, that she can she can quiet you to death. She's a, <laughs> oh, she's a southern wow. <laughs> Murray knows. She's a southern woman of a certain age and <laughs> Yep. Is that been a book title? Because that should definitely be a book title. There's women killers mm -hmm. of a certain age about um, yeah, murder yeah. grannies came out this year. I haven't read it yet, but it's on my it's on my stack. It's on my yeah. list now too. Wow, that's awesome. Also, uh, an elderly woman is up to no good, which is Scandinavian. <laughs> I can't remember Swedish. Maybe. Oh my god! But it's, like yes, it is about a little old lady who just wants to, you know, just live her life just fine. But when people interfere with her, she kills them hmm? because mm -hmm. they interfere yeah. with her trying to live her life just peacefully and happily. Like you do. Yep. So. All right. Yeah. Um, well, that was that was great. That was the top of my list. Um, well, we sorry, haven't Martin. given Mary Robin a chance to talk about the spare man, but I want to. That's I, yeah. I want to yeah. set up with with a. Um, this sounds a little rude, but I'm just saying you 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 didn't do it, which is so many times when you want to make you want to bring across something small and cute and adorable, it can come off as something you want to punt into the sun. And you gave us an adorable little dog who actually was an adorable little dog in The Spare Man. So tell us what Spare Man's about, but then I want to focus on how you <laughs> made that dog adorable without being um, like something people just want to 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, the spare man is a, a murder mystery in space, uh, which is very different from uh, this other excellent book called Station Eternity. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, the thing that they have in common is their murder mysteries in space. Um, Spearman, if you've seen the Thin Man movies, it is uh, the Thin Man in space. Um, if you haven't seen the Thin Man movies, it is a happily married couple and their small dog solving crime on a luxury space cruise liner going between uh, the Earth and Mars. Um, everything is fine until someone is killed. And um, and uh, witty banter feels like the 1930s because it's based on uh, these black and white films that were the beginning of noir, but these are actually, um, they're actually classified as a comedy, a comedy mystery or, mm-hmm. um, or a murder, murder comedy, murder comedy. Um, <laughs> well, the first. Yeah. So, um, so they are, uh, so it, it's, uh, ridiculous. They drink constantly. Every chapter begins with a cocktail recipe. Nice. Um, and uh, and again, small dog. So, may I also just say I read the summary, and any book summary that contains the word canoodling, I'm in. Because how often do you see that? It's it's great. I, there's not enough canoodling in modern no. fiction, in my no. in my opinion. So yeah. cocktails and canoodling, also yeah. a great book title. But yeah, oh, that is a good book title. Maybe that'll yeah. be the sequel. There, there you go. Um, uh, yeah, I, I actually thank you. I actually wrote the catalog copy because uh, the the original catalog copy had something about. Tesla Crane wrestles with her demons. I'm like, this is not a wrestling with demons kind of book. <laughs> it's another lesson right there. You know, you get copy like that and you're like, yeah. this cannot stand because it's not. No, the, the copy is amazing. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it hooked me in immediately. Thank but you. anyway, this, the small dog. Murr wanted to focus on the small dog. And I was interested. I read that because, again, I read the summary and there's a small service dog. And I wanted to know more about the small service dog as well. Yeah. Um, so Gimlet is based on a real dog, uh, based on actually three dogs. She's a comp- compilation, uh, but there is an actual Westie that I know named Gimlet, who is uh, owned by Eileen Cook, who's also a fantastic writer. Um, and then my mom has a service dog, uh, Captain, um, and uh, and then uh, Jordan Corella, who uh, was my um, sensitivity consultant. On, oh, on PTSD dogs, um, has a dog uh, who I got to meet. Or let me Stella? rephrase. You met Stella? Yeah. Stella. yeah. We love Jordan. I love Stella. I've only seen pictures, yeah. but yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. We uh, we were on a panel about service dogs. Oh. Um, uh, so Stella was there. And I, so I say I got <laughs> to meet. That is incorrect. I got to witness Stella working, you know, being nice. in a room on duty. So I have not actually met. Fair. Um, uh, but um, how did I make Gimlet cute without being obnoxious? Um, one, I think a lot of it is that I just have her be a dog. Mm. Um, I'm not trying to have her do like additional things. But the other thing, I think the biggest thing that tells you that Gimlet is cute is the reactions of other people to her. Mm. Yes, because they can be unhappy with the humans and then see the dog and then just melt. I noticed that (laughs) more than once. Yes. Um, And so there's two things that are going on there mechanically. I'm I'm doing two lifts there. 
One is that I'm establishing that this is a very cute dog. Um, and then, and, and I guess three lifts. Establishing it's a cute dog, keeping her alive in the scene, which is one of the other problems when you're trying to put an animal in, is that frequently they are... Uh, they are a distraction from the main plot. And mm. so the third thing is that by keeping her alive in the scene, I am using the fact that she's a distraction to interrupt the um, interrupt the questions. So because it's a murder mystery, which in my, my quotient world is an inquiry story, that means that begins when it, you ask a question and end when you answer it. So all of my barriers are preventing the question from getting answered. Mm. So Gimlet is frequently the thing that that delays that question being answered. It's like, is someone going to answer the question? Yes, but they get distracted by the dog. <laughs> um, and and so that allows me to keep keep the tension going by by putting off just a little bit before we get to the the uh, and here's your next piece of information um so she was extremely besides being uh, uh, cute she was an extremely effective uh, useful uh, narrative mechanic very cool and also can we just say gimlet amazing name that was going to be my right? question because the summary doesn't mention the name so i wanted to know the name of the dog it's a great name yeah no i the the dog in the thin man series is is named uh, Asta, and right. I was like, at first I was thinking Astro, and then I'm like, but that's Jetsons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, add Astra, and then people are still gonna hear it as Astro, and it's still just a little too on the nose and too close. Mm. And I was visiting Eileen, and I was like, hang on, Gimlet is the perfect name for a Thin Man riff because it's a cocktail name. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's uh yeah no Gimlet is a perfect name and she's a perfect dog she's she is the real Gimlet is too cute like you, you <laughs> look at her and you're like this is not a real dog right I'm, also I love that Gimlet is a service dog and that you really did your research on the service dog part of it's really make that love that's very cool yeah uh, this is the real Gimlet for those oh my god wow. yeah that's that's not a dog that's a cartoon character that's yeah not, yeah well, so, that's not even remotely some, believable it's amazing what they can do with the animation these days it's, right yeah. I mean look at that. It's a Pixar poster. That's, oh my god! Yeah. Gimlet and Cairo, her her brother. Like that's these wow. are just. This is not real. No, no. <laughs> it's such a boopable. But yeah, so that's that's basically. I just give everyone that reaction constantly. And... <laughs> that's all you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I it's really funny. Um, my husband and I have gotten to where like one of our least favorite tropes is the. I really need to tell you this important thing, but not over the phone or not over the link, and you know one of them is going to be shot before yeah. they get together to talk about the secret thing. It's like heavily used in Babylon 5. It's yep. just not over the link. And, you know, we're just, it's just, being interrupted by the dog is so fresh. Also relatable. I mean, I forget whatever question I was going to ask when I see a cute dog, like, it goes right over my yep. head. Like, it happens yep. all the time. Like, who can't relate to that, you know? Yep. And when my dog yeah. is not cute but instead yelling about fedex and that they're coming to kill us that of course interrupts me from remembering what i'm going to be asking an author next on the podcast so they're very good at interrupting <laughs> in several different ways they're the best they're the, they're the best interruption you'll ever have yes Absolutely. mathematically appropriate yes yeah exactly um 
So, Mary Robinette, before we let you go, uh, is there anything else you wanted to discuss about the book or anything you have coming up because you are the busiest person in the world? You make me feel like a complete slacker. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Um, I, I guess since we were, were talking about debut author stuff, mm -hmm. um, that I know a lot, bunch of people are going to go and hit my website and look for those posts. And I want to remind people when you look at them that they are 10 years out of date. Mm. Um, so when, when you're talking to established professional authors, remember that all of the advice that we're going to give you is, um, is based on when we started and, and what things looked like for us. Um, the way I, the way I tend to, to think about careers and helping each other is that, I can like we're all we're all on the same journey. Um, so I can look back over my career, over the path that I've taken, and tell you about the pitfalls that I hit. But everybody has a different starting point. So it's like we're all gonna go through the same forest of despair, but we're on different roads in that forest. So I can say there is a creek in there where you can refresh, but I don't know exactly what what rocks and brambles you're going to have to scramble over to get to that. Um, so when you're looking at somebody else's career, don't, don't measure yourself and beat yourself up because you're not at the same career spot that they are because you had a different starting point and you've got different obstacles. Uh, but we can, we can try to help each other out by, you know, by being kind to each other and telling each other about as many things as possible. So even if you aren't cram scrambling over the same boulder I did, maybe my bouldering technique will help you with the ones you hit. I love this boulder metaphor so much. That's so, great. Yeah. <laughs> no, but on also the, the industry has and is constantly changing too. So a lot of advice gets out of date a lot quicker than I think it used to even now. Yeah. It's just because everything's happening. So it's a, those are all very, very good points to make. Yeah, when people ask me for podcast advice i'm like well step one make a time machine and go back to 2005 <laughs> so, yeah yeah same same yeah same no oh, good yeah bad world yeah um that's amazing but where can we find you online mary robinette the easiest thing is to go to my website mary robinette that will link you to all of the other places uh for instance if you want to take classes from me you can visit patreon slash mary robinette i teach classes once a month on a different topic um or you can follow me on instagram if you want to mostly see cat pictures uh and videos um and then uh, i have a newsletter which again you can get to through my website mary robinette Excellent. And uh, Matt, you want to remind us how to find you? Oh, yeah, why not? Um, so I'm on Twitter and Instagram, both at uh, Matt F. And Wallace. Uh, my website, matt-wallace.com. I mentioned all the books I have coming out earlier, but all that information is also on the website. I also have a Void Merch collection, which is a bunch of merch with designs based on the worlds of my fiction. You can find that on my website as well, and that supports a cool small business and supports me directly. So do check that out if you want some cool swag. And uh, yeah, all that good stuff. Excellent. And uh, all my stuff is at merverse.com, where you can find out about my podcast, my other podcast, which is cleaner and nicer and talks about craft, but uh, often not as much fun as this one. Um, and uh, my books, most recent one, Station Eternity, also about murder in space. Um, it's very good. Fewer dogs, good. more very strange rock people. 
um, unhinged rock people, you could say. Um, and, uh, yeah, I co-edit Escape Pod, which uh, is escapepod.org. And, wow, when I list my things, I usually feel like I'm listing a lot. And then I think about what everything Mary Robinette does, and I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> You have a lot too, or you have a whole verse. You, you have, have a whole you universe have a huge, of things. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but yeah. Um, anyway, thank you so much, Mary Robinette. You're, I've been wanting to do this video, uh, this interview for a while, and you were fantastic. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. It was great. This podcast was produced under Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial No Derivatives License. Music provided by Devo Spice. DevoSpice.com. This is a free podcast brought to you by the kindness of our patrons. If you would like to also be kind and a patron, go to patreon.com slash mightymurr.